0: Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. Thank you. Thank you for listening, spreading the word, supporting this podcast. You've allowed me to have the most amazing guests on. And I don't know about you, but every single time I'm blown away by what I learn from them and I get inspired and motivated. I hope it's the same for you. I know for sure my next guest, everybody is going to find this information valuable. His recent book, The Career Toolkit, essential skills for success that no one taught you. Networking, negotiating, communicating, leading, career planning. Did anyone ever teach you these skills? Some, but man, oh man, we can always learn more sit back, enjoy, have fun. As always, I really appreciate you recommending me for speaking engagements and workshops. Ah, oh, I feel so, so blessed as well supporting me with the podcast and the books. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And as always, if you haven't already subscribed, please do share and rate. It really helps me and my guest. Okay, now after all that, I don't think the man sleeps. He's been such a busy human being. Mark, thank you so much for being on this show. I mean, I I don't know how you do it all. You have so many different interests. And when I was looking at your background and then ballroom dancing, because dancing was my thing, it's so varied. You must just have a fabulous life.
1: You know, it always seems more exciting from the outside than the inside, I think. It might just be because we're we're used to it when we live it. But yeah. this is what I noticed about a lot of very successful people who have what seems like so many things, they've just gotten very good at being organized and good at kind of getting a good ROI. I mean, we certainly see some of the CEOs who seem to do 17 things. Well, they also have three assistants. And that makes it easier because I take care of a lot of the details. Yeah. I don't have any, but it's only <laughs> how to be efficient lets me fit a bunch of things in.
0: You know what? That's a good point. All right. We're going to get into that more. But first, what is your word? In the past 30 days, you get to pick one word to best describe how you felt and then tell us why.
1: Volatile. Okay. And the reason is I have a new app that's coming out and anyone who's an entrepreneur, the life of an entrepreneur is volatility if you want to be an entrepreneur i very much recommend watching the tv show silicon valley on hbo <laughs> yes. not only is it a hilarious tv show yeah. but that really captures better than anything else i've seen the volatility you get as an entrepreneur where one day you land a big customer and then the next day you find out you're being sued for some IP infringement. And then you close a deal with some investors. And then you find out your customers leaving. And every two steps forward comes with one step back. Yeah. And that's the life of being an entrepreneur. And you deal with a lot of volatility. And I think that show captured it very well.
0: You know, in all these years, no one has said that word, but I love that word. And I haven't thought about that as an entrepreneur. <laughs> I've always just thought... you. Everyone says, oh, look at all you've achieved and that's so great. You have it so easy. I'm like, yeah, I do love being an entrepreneur, but you're not seeing all the back end to get there, you know? And I tell that to people, if you want to, you know, I get wanting to quit your job and make your own hours, but, you know, make sure that you're up for it because it's not just all roses,
1: you know? We celebrate the successes. What are yeah. the newspaper articles, entries on? Oh, how did you do this? And we particularly in society love the people who are almost on the fast track. Oh, you're a 21-year-old who in 18 months built this multi-million dollar company. Yeah. That is such the exception. That's the lottery ticket winner. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. talk about everyone who doesn't win the lottery or wins a lottery of 50 bucks. And that's what most of us are doing. And it's, yeah, I'm making some progress. But I'm having volatility. And how do I make payroll? And, oh, now I have this new problem and one problem after another. And the life of an entrepreneur is solving problems for other people and for yourself. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle every day. You have to enjoy it. And yeah. we don't talk about that enough. We don't show the warts and the ugliness when it comes to yeah. building companies.
0: You know, I just finished a course for keynote speaking, and it was a seven-month course. And it actually took me more time than I thought about 20 hours a week, which is a lot. And at the end, they challenge you to get so many speaking gigs. So I did. I got seven book speaking gigs. And I was like, oh, my God, well, you just have the best connections. I go, do you know many people I reached out that didn't get back to me or said no or finally said, Weston, stop bothering me. <laughs> you have to be OK with that.
1: I've been on a little over 300 podcasts at the time that we're recording this. I have reached out To over 2000 to get on 300. The majority of responses are no.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's also what you have to deal with as an entrepreneur a lot of rejection. Yeah.
0: So, do you love it?
1: I do love what I do. If I didn't, I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Because I'm not driven by money, I am driven by passion, challenge, and my own interests.
0: Yeah. So, you still teach at MIT, don't you?
1: I do that on the side. Yeah.
0: So, what does that mean on the side? Like, you're an adjunct professor, or just like now and then you go?
1: Not adjunct. MIT, because they have extremely rigorous academic standards, they really don't have a lot of adjuncts, and I respect MIT for that. As cool as it would be if I was yeah, one, yeah, yeah. I respect that they don't. They also don't give out honorary degrees. There's a lot of integrity at that uh, university. I go up. It's a special program, so I go up from time to time to do certain parts of it. Sometimes are full intensive weeks, other times are more one-off programs. So that gives me some flexibility. And that as well, it looks like I do a lot, but this isn't me teaching a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah.
0: Well, my son just got in Mass Art, And when he went up there to visit the school, he goes, oh, mom, I really hope I get in there. I get to take courses at MIT, which I thought was pretty cool too. So he was so excited about that.
1: What course does he want to take? Because most people I know, other than engineers, don't get excited about courses at MIT.
0: You know, I did ask him about that. But my kid is one of those kids who really loves art and so creative. But he also loves physics and science and engineering, too. So he's like, ooh, this would be such a great combination. I'm like, And then he just got in two weeks ago. So we'll see.
1: Congratulations to your son.
0: Yeah, but I love Boston. It's it's really cool. All right. So I (laughs) I could sit here and talk to you for five days on all these different things that you got going on. But I'm going to hit you with the number one question that I got over and over again from my listeners because I put it out there. He's coming on. And the biggest thing they had was about networking. A lot of my co-workers friends who are entrepreneurs and solo entrepreneurs they're really great at creating content but they have problems with the networking part and how to build their network so i know you cover this in your book but let's just go over some of the basics what do you believe is the key to networking and building your network
1: this is an important question and it's why the subtitle of my book is essential skills for success that no one taught you because we all know what networking is. Yeah, But no one ever sat down and said, here's how to do it.
0: Isn't that crazy? Like these skills, like I love this book because it's true, like, okay, now what? And this book is now what?
1: So when it comes to networking, each of the chapters in my book has a mental shift, how to think differently about that skill and then concrete actions you can take to execute well. When it comes to networking, Most people have been taught wrong. They have the wrong understanding of what it is. So we think of it one of two ways. Either networking, well, it's when my head of sales walks into the conference room and there's a thousand people and she comes back 30 minutes later and she's got 20 business cards. We say, oh, wow, she's so good at networking. Maybe she's definitely good at collecting business cards, but that's not networking. That's one small step. Okay. Or the other thing is someone says, I need a job time to go network. Hey, nice to meet you. My name is Mark. Do you have a job? Nope. Okay. Next. Hi, nice to meet you. My name is Mark. I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? Next. And they just run through. That's not networking either. That's running around asking strangers for help. (laughs) Now, when we think about that in a different situation, imagine I have to move this weekend. I have to go pack up my apartment. Imagine if I'm at a bar and we meet him like, oh, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. We chat for a bit. Listen, it's been great meeting you. Why don't you come over this weekend? I'm gonna have a couple people over. i gonna pack up my apartment, carry my couch down three flights of stairs. You're you're up for that, right? We, we, we had a good time hanging out tonight. I guess, of course not, stranger. Yes, we don't yeah. know each other that well yet. Yes. Who is it I can ask? Well, I can ask someone who I've known for 10 years. I can ask someone I knew from college. I say, listen, I need a favor. And it's because we built that relationship that I can now request. So that person, that salesperson who goes into the room and gets 20 business cards in 30 minutes, there's not yet a relationship. Meeting someone, collecting a card, okay, that's a start, but you have to build that relationship. And that's the key, that's what people miss. Now, here's the good news. So many introverts say, I, I don't wanna be in that room. I, I, that's overwhelming. That's fine. You can meet a whole bunch of people at that conference, you can be people one-on-one. You can meet. hey, we're meeting right now. And then if we follow up and we meet for coffee or we do a Zoom catch-up, it's building that relationship. Mm. And all of us know how to do that because we all have friends. And that's really what it is. It is relationship building.
0: You know, I think of that because, well, I love meeting people and I could talk to anyone, but when I go to conferences, I'm not the person that's met everybody in the room. I have probably three to five people, maybe max, that I made connections with that I know I can call on later that I loved hanging out with. And my coworkers would always say to me, oh my, Sandy, this is a numbers game. This is a numbers game. But I think I want you to call them and say, you know what? <laughs> my way wasn't a bad way because I built, I built more connections of people that were willing to do things with me versus meeting 50 people that are like, who? Who is Sandy Weston?
1: It is a numbers game, but what's the number? Imagine uh, if you said, I have a thousand clients who are each paying me $5. Okay, that's, that's nice. Would you rather that? Or would you rather have 10 clients who are each paying you $50,000?
0: I got you. So yeah.
1: The latter, right? It's more, more value. I'd rather have a fewer number of people where I have that deeper relationship where it can actually help me than, well, I've collected all these business cards.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I guess I
1: can call them, but can I, can I get value from that? Now you can have both, right? It's not either, or. And if you think about your social circle personally, because the same thing applies to our professional networks, you have your inner circle, you have the really trusted people, you have your friends, you have your casual acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And same thing professionally. There are, there are people I know that can call me up. They say, Mark, I need you to come into my business. I need some help. Can you just join me this afternoon? I could use your advice. No problem. I'll be there. I'm not asking, what are you paying me? I'm going to show up and help you. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people who, all right, I'll see if I can find time for you in my calendar. I'll chat for a few minutes. But if you want more, we're not that close. So we have a range of relationships, and that's okay.
0: Okay. So this just happened to me three days ago. And I thought maybe there's something I'm missing. She said, I wanted to meet this guy who I think could really be helpful for some gig I'm getting. And she said, I'm going to make a soft introduction. And she introduced me on email and I thought, oh, this must be a marketing term I haven't heard of. And she said that right in the email. Hey Steve, I wanted to make a soft interview. Have you ever heard of that before? Like, and I know you said there's a proper way to make an introduction.
1: I've never heard the term soft introduction.
0: Okay, okay, so it's not just me.
1: It reminds me of like the little bit pregnant. There's, (laughs) you're either introducing or you're not.
0: It was funny. But is there a proper way to introduce people?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, so many people are terrible at introducing. And they'll say, Bob meet Alice, Alice meet Bob, that's it. (laughs) I'm like, okay, hey, Bob, uh, nice to meet you. I don't know why. Introduction, whether in person or by email, you want to not just give the names, but give the context. You want to say, Bob has a marketing agency, Alice is a new company, and she told me she's been looking around for some new service, particularly in social media. And Bob, I know you specialize in that. Why don't you two chat? Now, if you're doing it live in person, you just need to give that context why I'm introducing the two of you. Mm if you're doing it through email, something a lot of people miss is be explicit who should take the next step. If I'm introducing Bob and Alice, I will say, Alice, why don't you send Bob some information about what you're looking for? Bob, why don't you send- um, Gotcha. know what, what What? you offer. You wanna be just explicit so you don't get that. Do, do you email me? Do I wait to email you? It just, it makes it flow a little easier for everyone.
0: I'm taking notes. This is good stuff. All right. (laughs) I got to mention this because I got this question and you did bring it up about friends and, you know, the friends that will be there for you if you want to move, you know. Hey, listen, you've known them for 10 years. This guy says, how do you set, ask Mark, how do you set boundaries of when someone says they're your close friend, but really is only acquaintance because they don't want to pay you? I was
1: cracking up when I
0: saw that. I will call him Billy Bob.
1: You need to recognize what the relationship is. Now, I'm assuming this is more in a professional context. This is where someone, they're always asking, they're asking, they're taking. Yeah. You need to have clear boundaries. Again, there are people who I know, I will jump on a plane, I will go help you if you need it. I'm not worried about getting paid because you've helped me in the past, I will help you and our relationship we don't, we don't count, right? We don't yeah. keep track of who's done what. But when it's a more casual person, so when I meet people, I'll sit down with them and I'll I'll chat, I'll usually meet with someone half an hour, an hour, no problem, we'll talk. I'll give them advice. I'm not saying you have to pay me. Get to know me, I'll get to know you. If I think I can help you, mm. we can work out some arrangement. If after an hour I, I can't, you know, if there is no long term, I can't push myself. But if you come back to me and say, I need more help, I need more help, okay, we don't know each other that well. You're not one of my friends from college who I'll show up for. So yeah, we have to work out a relationship. I can't just keep giving you free help. Yeah, so you just yeah. need to set clear boundaries.
0: Yeah. So what does your average day look like now? Where are you spending most of your time?
1: Oh, there's there's no such thing as average for me. <laughs> okay. I am juggling a couple different things. So I have the book. And of course, when you create a book or really anything, you have to go and market it. Anytime you're building a business, you have to put at least as much work into marketing or selling, depending on what it is, as in creating the product or service. So that's a a fair amount of my time. Now, I also have a new Mm -hmm. app coming out that I'm working on. And then I'm working on another startup with a guy I used to work with. Mm-hmm. Those are my three main areas. And then there's other small projects. or some the volunteer yeah. work I do. There's a teaching at MIT yeah. and other things that just come across my desk.
0: And that's what's going on right now.
1: And that, you never that's know. We'll yeah. see what happens next week.
0: So let's back up with the book then. Did you do most of your marketing virtually because of how because things have changed? it came out
1: yeah. mid-COVID. And it's interesting. Now, this is how you need to look at challenges as an entrepreneur. So many writers were saying, oh, this is terrible. It's COVID. They're canceling my, my tour. Yeah. I was going to go to all yeah. these cities. I can't do that. And I'm thinking this is fantastic because if I have to fly to a bunch of cities, that's a a lot of time. B, there's a lot of cost because unless you're a super big name, unless you're celebrity level, you're paying for a lot of the costs yeah. for your tour. And what's going to happen? You're maybe, if you're lucky, sitting in a room with 200 people listening to you talk about your book. Wait a second. If I'm doing this virtually, <laughs> I can be in four yeah. different cities in the same day. Not only don't I need cabs and flights, probably don't even need to wear pants because we all know how Zoom works. Yeah. This is so much easier. I can reach so many more people for a lower cost. That was a blessing in disguise. Obviously, the pandemic's horrible. No one wants. Yeah. to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah but you can look at it and say, this ruined my plans, or you can say, how do I turn this into a new path that might even have more opportunity? Yeah.
0: So virtual, you went virtual, yay.
1: I went virtual. I still to this day have done maybe a handful of in-person things other than speaking that I do. Yeah. Uh, things related just to the book. I'm gonna go and just promote the book. Very few of those in person. I'm looking forward to doing some. I do miss yeah, yeah, yeah. people talking about it.
0: Well. I think. Do you go into colleges a lot? Because this would be so great for
1: colleges. I do do some with colleges. You mentioned you're you're starting doing keynote speaking. The reality is universities tend not to pay as well as corporations. Universities That's true. are non-profit. Very I'm, true. I'm sympathetic, and I do have a lower rate for nonprofits, significantly lower. So I do go and speak at some universities, but it's almost not cost effective for me to do so, given the rates that they pay. So I'll do some universities, but it's the companies and conferences who pay better.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I did have a bunch of college kids reach out to me and their big thing, which I get it, is communication. And (laughs) I'm gonna just say what most of them said. Uh, Just tell Mark, basically, we weren't good at it to begin with, but now since COVID, we really suck. I'm glad they're honest about it, but I need to back up before we go into all their questions because I was intrigued by you said there's different mental models people have as far as can. so let's dive into that first.
1: Sure. Well, they they do relate somewhat, and what your your listeners are telling you first, this is universal. I'm hearing it from teachers talking about their students in elementary, yeah. middle school, high school. We're hearing it from college professors. We're hearing it from companies. Everyone has just lost some of that, some of those social skills. And yeah. I, I, myself, when I go into a event, I'm thinking, right, okay, people and talking. I, I remember <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing yeah. this. I think I could do it again. So yeah. this is totally normal. Don't don't feel. Oh my god, I'm I'm behind here. Yeah. We're all all in the same boat. When it comes to communication. So I have a book with 10 chapters on 10 different skills, which means I go into the really core of these skills because you can write an entire book on any one of these skills. You can write multiple books on these skills. Yeah. yeah. Communication, in fact, is one of the biggest. You could read a dozen different communication books on a dozen different communication topics. Yeah. All valid. Yeah. What I focus on, there is something universal to every type of communication we do. And that's what I really wanted to focus on. So I talk about the mental models that we have. So let's consider the following analogy. Suppose I go to France and I give a speech. Most people there are going to be native French speakers. They need to speak English because unfortunately I don't speak French. So I'm going to speak in English and all of them will have to sit there and in their heads translate what I'm saying into French and then think about what I've said. They are doing some mental tax. There might be some people who are just inherently dual lingo, can speak both languages. Yeah. But I can, apparently.
0: <laughs> that was good.
1: But, but many, you'll have to spend some tax. I think of it like your CPU. If you have to use 10% of your CPU to process something, well, your computer runs a little slower. Mm. Now, if I could speak French, that'd be better Then I speak French and 100% of their attention is focused on my message and not doing the translation. Now, it's not about French versus English. It's about the mental models that we have. So here's a very simple one. I go a little more in depth in the book. Think about left brain, right brain people. Okay. And think about extreme left brain and right brain people, just to illustrate the point. So when I think of extreme left brain people, I mean, I think of myself and many of the people at MIT. But for those who, who didn't go there, think Big Bang Theory. If you watch that TV show, yeah. think about those Love it. left brain. How would you pitch an idea to someone like that? You'd have a very organized, laid out, detailed plan. Here's a proposal. Here's step one, step 1a, 1b, step 2, 2b, 2b, clause 1, right? You'd go really detailed. Now imagine you're pitching the same idea to someone who is extremely right-brained. Would you have that same detailed plan? Would you go on into every little piece of minutia? You'd bore that person to death in 30 seconds. Yeah.
0: No, that's me,
1: by the way, right brain. You'd pick probably a more emotional, holistic approach yes, for that yes. person. Now, if I am speaking to someone who is very left brained and I'm that right brain person, I communicate in that right brain style it's not resonating with that left brain person. They have to do some translation. They have to think, okay, I'm I'm getting the big idea. I'm trying to find those details. I'm I'm wanting to point out the details. They're spending that mental tax. They're doing that translation, not from English to French, but from one thinking mode to another. Better, just as it would be better if I go to France and spoke French, it'd be better if I communicate to that left brain person in a left brain style or the right brain person, a right brain style. Once we start to understand the thinking modes and we learn how, to, how they think and how we can communicate, I can communicate to you in your language, so to speak, in your mode. And that makes it easier for you to understand and receive what I am trying to suggest.
0: Ah, so if you were speaking at a conference, you might change it up depending on who the audience is.
1: I would, the way I would address a room full of engineers is different than how I would address a room full of marketers, for example, or HR people. Now I'm stereotyping a little, not every engineer- Yeah, I
0: I understand, I get it.
1: And now when you have a diverse audience, if I say, I don't know who they are, or it's gonna be a mix of people, then I'm going to incorporate from different styles. In fact, we see this with politicians. They know how to hit different notes to resonate with different parts of their audience.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah, because I think of me and my audiences could be so varied. Yeah, I love that. All right, so you touch on this and we got hit with this. People that are introverts or shy, and I seem to attract a lot of them, I guess, because I'm completely opposite of them. And they do feel as if not just at work, they just don't feel heard. Like, how can they get their voice out? out there. And I got a lot of questions about that because they just feel they go in, they have so many really great questions and they're sitting at the meeting and then they have somebody like me come in and like, ah, and they feel like that's it. I'm done. I'm done.
1: Now first recognize introversion is a different type of power than extroversion. They both have their I use.
0: Agree. I agree.
1: I agree. Introverts, we think, oh, there's, there's people and I'm not as as warm or friendly or as outgoing. The great thing when you're an introvert is you tend to listen more. Everyone loves conversations where they get to talk. So when you meet people and you're talking to people and you let them talk more, which as an introvert, you're happy to let them do, they're gonna love that conversation. They get to talk, 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 and they have a (laughs) wonderful time. This is what I learned. I'm a natural introvert. And I learned this can be very useful. Now within the office itself, There are techniques we can use to bring out our introverts. We unfortunately have a very extrovert view of the office. What do we do? We're in a meeting and we say, hey, uh, here's a question. I'm running this meeting. Here's a thought. Why don't we do this? Or how are we going to do this? Go. And everyone on the spot has to come up with something. The extroverts naturally say, okay, great. (laughs) Let me just start talking and let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not how the introverts like to work and they get drowned out. So what we want to do is adjust how we communicate, how we get ideas put forth in the office. Here's a simple technique that you can do at your meetings to get introverts and extroverts to both engage. And by the way, if you're not the, the person running the meetings, be sure to share this episode with your coworkers. Yeah. You don't have to know this was the reason. You sat yeah. there oh, yeah, Mark mentioned Sherry. There are some good tips in there on networking and other stuff. They're going to hear this too. I yeah. don't know. This is the reason you shared it. Yeah. So I love that. What you can do when two things first have the agenda for the meeting ahead of time Set, Hey, we're going to talk about these topics. And this way you say, Oh, I know we're talking about these topics. Let me first think ahead of time. What do I want to say about it? What are my questions or issues? Now you can't always do that hundred percent. Things will just pop up. If something comes up, you say, hey, here's something I totally forgot, we need to talk about this, or based on what you just said, now I realize we have to address this issue. Say, let's talk about, take a minute to think about what we need to to do or the questions you have. Everyone take a minute. The introverts, and it could be one minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever's appropriate. The introverts sit there and think, okay, good, silence. Let me think. Let me write down some notes. Let me do some things. The extroverts are probably going, oh, I just want to talk. I want to go. They're getting frustrated. Well, welcome to the life of an introvert. And then after you've had that minute or two, the introverts now have their written notes and they're ready. Okay, I'm thinking. Here's what we do. And the extroverts go, boom, go. Okay, now I'm out of the gate, and now we can get input from both types of people.
0: Ah, I like that. That you definitely have to share this with your coworkers. It, it does even the playing field. And yes. I do agree. If you just start a meeting and who's up, you'll never get to hear some of those pearls of wisdom. And they really, you know, get missed.
1: They really get missed. And it's not, don't think of it as necessarily evening the playing field. Oh, we got to make the introverts equal to the extroverts. Think of it as I've been handicapping part Ah. of my team. I've been Mm. having them work with one hand tied behind their back. Let's let's release them. Let's let them work the way they want to work. i mean, going get so much more out of half yeah. my team members now.
0: Let's release them. I like that. Let's release them. Okay. All right. So personal brand. I just was at a marketing meeting recently and they looked at my website. They were like, yeah, this doesn't reflect you. I'm like, oh God, here we go again. You know, they're like, no, I mean, it doesn't capture you. And you talk about that and how you can build your personal brand, and the fact that you changed your image.
1: I did. I needed to, because coming out of MIT, everyone says, okay, you are a nerd. I I was proudly a nerd.
0: Yeah. I'm a
1: hardcore tech guy. No one ever says, gee, Mark, I don't know. Will this math be too hard for you? Oh, wait, you've got three degrees from MIT? No, you've got this. This (laughs) is fine. You can handle it because I was signaling, that was my image. I can do STEM. But no one thought, oh, do you understand how a balance sheet works? Do you know much about leadership? Are you a good communicator? Because MIT, they're not known for that. And so I had that other brand with me. Mm -hmm. I had to adjust and address, no, I really do know this stuff, but it will take time to convince you, can I signal it other ways? So it's important that we recognize our brand, how we're perceived, because how we're perceived impacts opportunities that come to us. People would come to me with technical challenges, issues, opportunities. They won't come to me with the other. And I wanted to get the other. So the first thing you want to do is understand what your personal brand is. And my friend Dori Clark, who has a great book called The Long Game, she has, a great technique for this. She says, go to your colleagues, maybe it's your work colleagues, if you want your work brand or your friends, if you want your personal brand, and ask them, can you give me three words that describe me? And you get this from a bunch of different people and you put it together, and you start to see, are there patterns? I see a lot of people are saying quantitative or math or science with me. Okay, that one's pretty clear. They're not saying perhaps something else, that I wanna be seen as. So we first identify, where are we? How mm. are we seen? What are what are we seen as being strong in and weak in? And then if you want to change that, then you create a proactive plan to say, okay, I wanna be perceived for this. Now you can go forward and either change your communication style, start sending out signals, doing work in that area, being recognized for that area. There's a number of techniques. I go into some of them in the book. Dory also in her books has a lot of good techniques for it.
0: I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask people the three words because I, I, I've i never done that. What, did you do that? Have you done that?
1: I've I've done it and I've, I've gotten feedback and it's been helpful in correcting my plans.
0: Yeah. Okay. I got to be ready for what I hear. Okay. There's so much I could go into on this topic of leadership and we don't have time. That's like a whole nother podcast, but I do want to top off on the leadership versus management, because we did have some questions about that. And they want to know if you can go to their boss and say they're not a great leader, they're just managing. I thought, okay.
1: This is a classic question we get when we teach leadership. And the way I really try to distinguish from the book, the best way I've learned to draw the line, it comes from a quote from uh, rear admiral, Rear Admiral Grace Hopper, and she said, no one ever managed men into battle. Now that doesn't tell you what leadership or management is, but if you think about the statement, you start to get a sense of... Yes,
0: yes, that's deep. Yeah. What it is. yeah.
1: But I note very strongly, good managers lead, good leaders manage. There's often a combination of both. It's not always a balance. Our more senior people, the executives, the C-suite, are usually doing a little more leadership than management. Those who are maybe first-level managers are usually doing a little more managing than leading, but it is always a combination of both. That's important to recognize with management, we're looking in the execution and details, the organization, and I go into, I have two chapters on management in the book, one on the people side of management and one on the process side and leadership is a little more big picture. And we do have to consider both.
0: Okay, so I have to ask this next question because this guy says, I don't understand. Why are th- my son says he's going to go to school for leadership and take courses in leadership. I told him, you're either born a leader or not. Don't you just lead?
1: That is unfortunately not an accurate assessment. <laughs> consider the following.
0: I was cracking
1: up. Are people born athletes? Yes, some are. Some are natural athletes. But does that mean the rest of us cannot be? Of course not. We can train. In fact, in my own sport, I was a competitive ballroom dancer. I began, I was so bad. I would dance off time to techno music. You had two two beats. You only had to hit one of them. I'd hit the wrong one. That's how bad I was. Now, there were some natural dancers in the world, not me. But through rigorous training, I became one of the top ballroom dancers in the country. There's a professor, Barbara Oakley. She was a great linguist. She always struggled with math and she wanted to get better. She is now a professor of computer science. And she said, I'm gonna work at it. For some of us, we have natural skills. It comes naturally, others have to work harder, but that doesn't mean you can't learn. And leadership and all these other skills, communication, networking, mm-hmm. negotiating, All of them are learnable. In fact, my friend Olivia Fox Caban has a wonderful book called The Charisma Myth. Charisma is something you can learn. She breaks down what it is and it helped me get better at. These are all learnable. And typically what happens, those who are naturally good at say, well, um, I'm naturally good at leadership or playing the violin or soccer. So I don't really have to practice much. And then those of us who aren't as good and say we have to put in the work, will typically overtake those people who are just coasting on their natural abilities.
0: Okay, well, I have to home in on the ballroom dancing. So many questions. Number one, are you still doing it?
1: I retired from competing many years ago, so I just dance socially once in a while.
0: That's what I mean, do you do it for fun? Yes. Two, if you weren't great at it, what made you so passionate about wanting to do it?
1: It's, It's a fun activity. It's great being on the floor. It's great for socializing. It I did think helped me meet girls. Okay, there you go. Wonderful community of people. I made so many great friends. I remember one day at, it was either a regional championship or national championship, and I'm queuing up in line to get on the floor. I'm looking around realizing everyone standing with me, like, these are all my friends. We've all known each other for years. Mm. We're all in this together. And yeah, we're competing against each other. We're also all friends. We're we're all in the same community. We support each other. We cheer for each other, and so it's just a, a really wonderful feeling.
0: I think that's great, and I love the fact that you said, "Oh yeah, I just wasn't this amazing great dancer. Like I couldn't even hear a beat." <laughs> and
1: yeah, by the way, I was also a horrible public speaker. I used to. to I remember in high school. I'd sit there and look down at the paper and I'd shake and, um, um, and, um, yeah. And so what, um, what came next? And I had no presence. I would have lots of disfluencies, ums and uhs. I've noticed I put a few into this one, not the ones I intentionally did, which is rare for me. I can do a whole hour long speech without a single filler word. And so I've worked over the years to get better with my diction, with my tone, with my stage presence, but it was work. Yeah. There other students who are just naturally good at. So yeah. again, it's a learnable skill like so many of these are.
0: I agree. The course I was in, there are, they said the same thing. Yes, there are people that are more comfortable on stage, but it is a skill. And no matter what, I wanted to get better at it. But I saw people even in that seven months go from stuttering up on stage to like, it It was amazing. It was amazing. So I I do agree. It is a skill. Okay, we're going to switch into some personal stuff as we wrap up here, but I put it at the end because I'm so intrigued by this. What does it mean to track terrorists on the dark web? I have it in big bold because I find that fascinating.
1: My graduate work at MIT was in cryptography. That's the branch of mathematics in which we create secret codes It's how we encrypt your data so you know you can enter your credit card safely, We try to protect data or break in and steal data if we're on the other side of it. Yeah. Because remember, our federal security agencies are trying to steal from other countries, they're trying to steal ours. So it's offense and defense. I've worked at a number of cybersecurity companies. Now, usually we're building tools to protect data. This particular company I was at, we were doing effectively intelligence gathering. So the way to think about is think of an undercover agent. We have amazing people in the police force, in the FBI, who go undercover with bad guys. I don't know how they do it. I would be so scared to think any day my cover can be blown. We were doing that, but much safer for us. We were not there personally, but we would infiltrate these communities online there were a number of techniques we used. I can't get into into details, but that would get us the intelligence. And just like the undercover agent said, okay, I found out they're planning to go raid the warehouse next week, be prepared and stop them and arrest them. We would allow our customers, both government and corporations to do the same thing.
0: Oh, was that fun?
1: It was, the work was very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the word's not fun, but fascinating.
1: Yeah you had to be very clever to do this and not get caught and just learning about what's happening in the world and how sophisticated these groups really are. Uh, very interesting to learn that.
0: Mark, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> and I like—I we just touched on networking and communication and leadership. They're definitely going to have to get your book. But before we get into that, let's talk about your Halloween party and how I can get invited. I love... <laughs> Halloween. I have an 1840 Victorian and I it out. So did you have to stop over COVID? Did you have it virtually? I need to know so much about your Halloween party and I don't live I, far.
1: Having done it for over two decades, I unfortunately did not do it the last two years, but I'm hoping depending on how things look this fall, maybe I can get back to having one this year. I love Halloween. It is my favorite holiday I decorate my entire apartment. And to give you a sense of commitment, I live in a New York City one bedroom. I have three bins of Halloween decorations, three bins to keep in a New York City limited closet space. That is commitment. That is commitment. And every year I change up my costume.
0: See, I saw that. And i was thinking I have to up my game because I don't do that. You know, (laughs) I have my few costumes, but. I different
1: people. If you have one you love, that's great. I like to challenge myself and have to do something new each year.
0: I, I love that. Does, do everybody try to like, oh, can I get invited to your Halloween party? Does everyone get so excited?
1: It, it is actually a remarkably common question on some of the podcasts. I do get that a lot. Uh, So, this year there will probably be a whole bunch of podcast hosts showing up to the party. (laughs) They're
0: like, wait a minute, I bet you what time (laughs) I got a one bedroom apartment in New York. Oh, God. Oh, so fun. Okay. Plant a million corals. What is that?
1: That is one of the many nonprofits I work with over the years. This one, I'm currently on the board of it. There is a great scientist, Dr. David Vaughn who along with his wife and daughter started this. Now, David is a, I believe, marine biologist. I forget what exactly his degree is in, but he knew how to fast grow corals. And a number of us met him at a conference and he was talking about this and he's getting ready to retire. And we said to him, wait, if you know how to do this, given what's happening to the oceans with the rising ocean temperature from global warming, we're seeing a lot of corals die and corals they are the cities of the ocean corals are where lots of marine life tends to congregate mm. so when the coral dies it's like losing a city and the ecosystem just isn't the same so we have to replace corals particularly with ones that can withstand higher temperatures and we have to get them there fast and he knows how to get corals to grow faster to get more of them. so when we heard this we said you need to do this and he said well i I know corals, I don't really know how to do a nonprofit or anything else. So we'll take care of all that for you. You just need to focus on building it, and we'll help with the rest. And so we've been running, we started up just before the pandemic, which was unfortunate because some of our strategic partners were, uh, we're talking with cruise companies. Cruise companies often want to take their folks when they dock at some place, they want to take them diving. And they said, we're willing to pay for private coral reefs where we can say, this is ours exclusively. From the animal's perspective, we're happy to get corals in the ocean. The animals don't say, oh, we're, we're not going to this coral reef. It's owned by that corporation. They'll take any one they can find. Yeah, exactly. It a partnership because we could then get the cruise companies to help sponsor some of the locations. Now, unfortunately, when COVID hit, cruises, travel as a whole took a hit. Cruises yeah. were one of the worst yeah. hit. So we just went into a terrible headwind, but hopefully things will begin to open up as we continue through 2022.
0: Love that. Okay. As we wrap up here, I just want to know if you collect shot glasses and cufflinks, do you have cufflinks on? And why aren't there any shot glasses in the background?
1: The shot glasses are on a different bookshelf. They don't quite go with the brand (laughs) that I have for this. So for those listening, I've got my book. I have a chess piece. I have a giant light bulb. I have a number of things that are consistent with the brand. And shot glasses just aren't consistent with that brand. Yeah. As for the cufflink, I have a collection of over 400 pairs of cufflinks. And so the cufflinks I am wearing today, this will only be visible to those who are seeing the video. I have my career toolkit cufflinks. Oh, stop. I God love me.
0: them. Yeah. When
1: my book came out, so she took the, the icon from the book, the key icon of the little person holding the flag and turned that into a cufflink for me. So that's my career toolkit cufflink.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if you're not watching, you didn't miss the shot glasses, but the cufflinks were really cool. So why, I get the cufflinks, but why did you want to collect shot glasses?
1: I was on my high school senior class trip, and one of my friends said, I think I'm going to collect shot glasses. And his reasoning was, they're fairly ubiquitous, they're relatively cheap, and they're small. So it's very easy to collect them. And I thought, that's a good idea. So I started after that. Now, the one thing he didn't think about, if you ever have to move, wrapping up hundreds of pieces of glass that is a, a huge effort. That's where you do need those friends to come and help you and sit there and wrap it all up together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they're good for travel, but you don't want to pack them up. So I, exactly. thought, I thought you were going to tell me there was like a 10 shot minimum when you went out or six shot minimum. And <laughs> so that's what started.
1: I'm not even that big of a drinker. <laughs> In fact, the question I often get is well, have you used every shot glass? <laughs> no, no, not even close to it. Yeah. I've. Barely used any of them.
0: Well, like back to the cufflinks, they're the same thing. They're very small, but I guess you could just throw them all in a box.
1: I have jewelry boxes. Ring boxes work very well for storing cufflinks. And so I have them all organized by category and different ring boxes.
0: And have you worn each of
1: them? There are some newer ones the past two years. I have not worn cufflinks quite as often when yeah. I've just been sitting at home. Yeah. So I do have some newer ones I haven't worn, but I think I've worn the vast majority of them, certainly.
0: Mark, this has been a pleasure. It really has. But before we wrap up, is there anything we didn't get in that you want to get out there to the audience?
1: I'll mention two things. So first, with my book, there is a free companion app. I know we'll we'll do the website and everything for that, I admit. There's a free companion app. And the reason I created it is because how often do you read a book, and you say, well, this is really great, so many good tips, and then you forget it two weeks later. Yeah. My job is to help you remember and change your behavior and how you think, and that's not gonna happen if you forget things. So I created the Career Toolkit app, which is free from the Apple and Android store, and a moment we'll give you those URLs. It has the tips from the book, and what it will do is pop up each day as a notification at a time you set one of those tips. Go, all right good piece of advice swipe done that's it but by getting that little push notification you only need to open once a month just so we know you're active it's going to help you better retain what you've read or you can say oh, i'm about to go into a networking event what were all those tips open up the app go to the networking tips there they are in your pocket right when and where you need them so that's a career toolkit app i created that along with the launch of my book it's completely free After I did that, a number of authors came to me and said, we want this for our books. And so I realized there's definitely an opportunity. Other authors would like to do this. Other readers of them would want that. In fact, we've expanded from just authors to podcasters and bloggers and other content creators. We are launching at the end of April. We're recording this in early April 2022. At the end of April 2022, Brain Bump. And that will also be free on the Android and iPhone stores. And it's the same concept, but it will have content, not just from my book, but from lots of books and podcasts. We're launching with just a handful to start as it's in beta during the next few months, but we'll be continually adding content. And this is a way for you to say, I want to better retain this, or I want to be able to look it up. And that will all be in Brain Bump. That will be in both stores. It's from Cognosco Media, -Media C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O-Media.com and that will get you brain bump. And let me just give you the the other URL on my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There, of course, you can see where to buy the book. You can get in touch with me. You can bring me in for speaking. You can follow me on social media. I put new content out. I put out new articles every week. Mm. There's links to the app stores for that free app I mentioned. And there is an entire resources page with a bunch of free downloads, including ways you can create free internal training programs in your organizations resources you can use for your hiring, links to other free online resources and a number of other books if you want to go deeper on topics. All of this is available at my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com.
0: Love it. And you know what? I love the way you break it down. And I, it just is so exciting to me that there is going to be an app to remind you, because you're right, you read a book, and you go great 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 okay i'm gonna highlight it all right there you go and then you move on then you don't know where the book is and you forget things but th- this is to me more like a guidebook. you know it's a guidebook, and you want to refer to it often so good for you good for you all Thank right you. my let's keep it real people i know you're going to want to share this with so many people we really appreciate it like it rate it subscribe and you know what i'm going to say Thank you, Mark. And until next time, toodles.
1: Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.